0: Just drift, man. Find out what it takes to get there and do it.
1: Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff will ask, what are we doing with life? He'll remind us we've been created for greatness, first in God's kingdom and then On His earth. You've got other things in your life. I mean, God knows that. You're going to work. You're going to make a living. You're going to have all these
0: loves, and they're okay. But He wants your greatest love to be in Him.
1: This is Today with Jeff Bynes and A Path to Life.
0: And the first thing I want to say as you turn to Philippians 3, verse 10, is that do you realize that there's greatness in you? That, that he saved you, not just for the sake of saving you, but he saved you because there's greatness in you. There's something that's in you that for most of your life, the world is going to try to destroy it. There's a calling. There's a passion in your life. And the world, it just has a way of sucking the dream and the calling and the life right out of you so that if you're not careful, you're going to end up like everybody else that comes before you. And you're going to have this dream and this passion and this greatness in you that God has given you, but life is going to do a number on you and you're going to find yourself around 30, 35, 40, and you're going to wake up one day and you're going to realize you've got the same old mediocre mundane life that you never thought you would have. And there's a reason, it's because the world, it, it betrays you, it gets you thinking a certain way, it gets you into its web, and before you know it, you're just like everybody else. Now here's what the scripture tells you, and this is why it's so profound, even though it's such a popular scripture, we just miss the boat primarily on what the Apostle Paul's trying to say. We've said before that your entire life, God is involved from day one, and it's like the divine romance we've called it. So that it has three stages, much like uh, a marriage uh, and dating uh, that ends in marriage has three stages. The first stage is the wooing stage. You know, it's when a man does things that he's never going to do again after the marriage, right? We've said that. He's wooing his wife. But God does the same thing, only he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The early part of your life, this, this phase you're in now, is God wooing you into relationship with him. It's it's the beauty that you see. It's the wonder that you have now that you won't have. It'll become commonplace to you as you get older. But the first time you see the ocean and the mountains, uh, the snow, the first time you see things and you're overwhelmed, there's this incredible desire in you to say thank you, to worship somebody, to find the creator. All of that is God's wooing you into relationship, all of it. The theologians call it general revelation. It's just what you see out there. And the world does a number on you to try to rob you of the awesomeness of that, of the wonder, and try to explain everything away by materialism. But no matter how much they try to do that, they can never go back far enough to first cause. Never, I mean, I I don't know how many of you are studying sciences right now, but you know, no matter how far you go back, we can replicate or duplicate, but we can never start from nothing. We still need the substance to go forward. We still have no explanation for first cause. And the only logical explanation is the creator, intelligent designer that sets everything in motion. And that God does that so that you would be in awe of this universe. And he is wooing you to understand there's something bigger and beyond yourself. No, no, no matter how much you understand about the material universe. No matter what you learn in philosophy and science class. No matter what it is, you still can't get back to first cause. Even Francis Crick, Nobel uh, Prize winner. The best explanation he could come up with for how life began on planet Earth is a spaceship came and dropped spores. The problem with that is it only moves the question back one step further. Where'd the spaceship come from? The point I'm making is your relationship, the whole process of your early years is God wooing you into the divine romance and hoping that one day you would do what? Enter into covenant. That's the second phase of dating and your relationship with God. That one day you would meet the man or the or the uh, woman that you're going to marry and then you'd enter into covenant. We, get, we exchange, we give rings as a circle of unending love. And God hopes that the day will come when you will realize that he is real and he's always been with you and you will enter into covenant with him. And you will receive Christ as your savior, recognizing that your sin separates you from God. And then he enters into a covenant with you that he will never break. He will always be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. It's why he's called the hound of heaven in the words of Francis Thompson. He's gonna hound you because he wants a relationship with you. So he wants you to enter into covenant with him, relationship, because he's wooed you into relationship. And the older you get, the more you realize how wonderful he is. You start to experience love and relationship and marriage. And then one day it may happen to you. What happened to me this week? I got a card from my daughter who we drove to Joplin, Missouri a few weeks ago. And the card was the first time she had written me a card. It was a beautiful card where she basically told me that she loved me. And you start to think, why do I deserve to have a daughter that loves me? And the, the, the answer is, I don't. It's another gift that God gives along the way to show you the power of his wooing ability into relationship and then into covenant. Now. The relationship at that point moves into the third stage. And this is why Paul says, why are you talking about this? Well, the apostle Paul says, out of everything in this universe, what I want more than anything else is to know God. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what it is to have that power in me, to operate in that power. I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. I want to, I want to be able to suffer as he did, to suffer with the end goal in mind. And I want to so somehow attain the resurrection from the dead. I want the life that I was always meant to have. And so the apostle Paul talks about this divine romance. I want to know him. I want to love him. And I want him to impact me. Now, very few relationships move into this third stage. Very few on earth. But it's what God wants most of all in the relationship we have with him. The third part of the relationship in the marriage life. Is when you are so happy and in love with your significant other, with your husband or with your wife, that your greatest pleasure and your greatest satisfaction is simply being in their presence. That's the third and greatest step of marriage. Most marriages never make it to that. They don't. But the ones that do, it's beautiful to watch how much a husband loves his wife and a wife loves her husband. Now, I wish I could tell you that that's the way my marriage has been for most of my life, but that would be a lie. It's only been the last three to five years that I've really begun to understand what love really is. It's when your greatest satisfaction and your greatest joy is simply being in the presence of your wife. And I can honestly tell you now that as much as I love golf and as much as I love what I do here, my greatest satisfaction, my greatest happiness is just simply sitting on the couch with Robin, drinking a cup of tea and watching PBS. Yeah, that's what she's done to me. <laughs> Why is it? Now think about it. One of the most famous authors of our Christian faith wrote these words God is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified in you. When you are most satisfied in Him. Do you know what He wants from you more than anything else? Is for your greatest satisfaction. You've got other things in your life. I mean, God knows that. You're going to work, you're going to make a living, you're going to start a family, you're going to have all these loves, and they're okay. But He wants your greatest love and your greatest satisfaction to be in Him. Now, it's because God is an insecure God. I want you to love me more than anybody else. Why does He do that? This is the God of the Bible. He knows that if your greatest satisfaction is in him, then the greatness that is in you will come out. Think about this for a moment. When you are intimate and close with somebody, do you know you start to become like them? That's exactly what's happened to me with Robin. I have become like her. I have been conformed to the image of my wife, which is why for some indescribable reason, I have started to enjoy cats (laughs) I can't explain it I didn't see it coming she tricked me she started bringing cats into the house first it was my daughter's fiance who brought this little cat bandit and I started letting this cat because cats are smart they know the person that doesn't like them and they come right to them you know that and this cat would start sitting on my lap and purring and actually rub his nose against it. And I thought, what are you? At first, it was like, and I thought, this cat does have some dog like features. <laughs> and then my son Delaney, they get a cat. And every time they come over, they bring the cat with them. And suddenly, before you know it, I, I'm starting to like cats. I, 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 I'm watching PBS, I'm watching Doc Martin. And I am watching I'm watching this thing called Foil's War. And I'm watching Antiques Roadshow. And and, and and I'm starting to like it. Why? Because I'm being I'm becoming like her, because I'm spending time with her. Now she's becoming like me in a few other areas too, but I'll let her tell you that. <laughs> the reason that he compels you into that relationship is because there's greatness in you. I'm serious, there's something fantastic in you, as in there is everybody else. But most people, as they go through life, they'll let the cares of the world choke it out of them. And they'll live for something that they never intended to live for. And the dream is lost because the world tries to suck the dream right out of you. And so the Apostle Paul, in its profundity, tells you, here's how you ought to live. And if you can live this way, man, it will come alive and there's greatness in you.
1: This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, A Path to Life in which he's encouraging us to live life fully. Thanks for joining us. Here's Pastor Jeff.
0: And so I want you to write these three things down. I want you to live by them. I want you to go back to them periodically in your life. When you're down, depressed, when you're anxious, go back to them. Because here's what the Apostle Paul says is the key for that greatness coming out of you. Now, first of all, remember, this is in the context of you pursuing Christ Above and beyond everything else. And you know why he says that? Because if you pursue Christ, you become like him. And if you become like him, then he releases the power of his spirit in you. And the greatness can come out. See, what most people do is they pursue Christ last. And because you pursue him last, you don't have the wisdom of the spirit of God to lead you on the path toward greatness or success. And not all of you are called to be pastors or ministers. Nothing wrong with that. We're all called to be the priesthood of all believers. But some of you are going to end up, I don't know, as doctors, lawyers, nurses, teachers, playing in the NBA maybe. I don't know. It don't look like anyone here will be in the NBA, but it could be. In Major League Baseball, you might be an athlete, scholar. I don't know what it is. But that's just as godly as being a pastor. This is my calling. I don't know what yours is. But I can tell you this. If you pursue Christ above and beyond everything else, then the power of the Spirit comes into you to show you, give you wisdom of the path toward greatness. And that's why so many of us in the room missed it. We gave him the leftovers of our life and we tried to get him involved in what we wanted rather than get him involved in what he wanted so that the greatness we were designed and made for would come out. And I want you to write these things down, okay? Number one, we've said it before. I want to use it as a springboard. Please remember, if you want this greatness to come out, direction, not intention, will determine your destination. Let's leave that up on the screen just for a moment. I want you to be able to write it down. Direction, not intention, will determine your destination. I want you to hear me on this. I don't know what it is that you want, but I can tell you this. There's a calling on your life that God will reveal to you as you move closer. But to get there... Just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Do you know the people in the room that wanted a great marriage, but never got on the road to make sure that that's where they would arrive? You don't drift into things like this. You don't drift into greatness. It doesn't just happen to you. The opposite happens. When you drift, you drift away from greatness, not toward it. When you drift, you drift away from God, not toward him. A few years ago, I took my family to a place called Massanutton, Virginia. I don't know why I did that. Why would you ever want to go to Massanutton, Virginia? And they wanted to go tubing down the Massanutton River. And we came at a time in our vacation when it had not been raining much. They had a drought. So there's only about a foot of water in the river. And we were supposed to get on these tubes and go drifting down the river. And here's what I noticed very quickly, because I was with Sion in this big tube, my daughter. If you drifted. You tended to drift over into the muck, into the cow excrement, in the dead cow on the I mean, it was nasty river. Why they would ever allow tourists to drift down this place, I have no idea. But I notice if you paddle and you are intentional, you stay in the flow in the middle, and you get to the white water, and that's where the real fun is. You're not gonna just drift into a good marriage, into a good into good kids, into a great career. You're not going to drift. If you just drift, you'll be like everybody else and you'll find yourself in the wasteland struggling for your life. But if you will now make it your goal to pursue Christ, then the power of the spirit in you as you know him better than you know anything else will give you the path. And then you'll have to paddle. You'll have to go hard. That's why Paul says, Not that I've reached it now, but I strain, I stretch forward, and I know the Greek word is like the runner stretching for the tape. Whatever it is, whatever the calling is you, whatever it is in you, you got to go for it. You got to stretch for it. You got to strain. You got to map out the direction and say, This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. And the Bible itself tells me that I got to get on a road and I got to make plans and I got to count the cost and I got to end up in this goal. Don't just drift, man. Find out what it takes to get there and do it. And in doing so, you glorify God. You acknowledge there's a calling on your life. It might be to be in Africa. It might be to be in Asia. It might be to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. It might be, I don't know what it is, but it's in you and it's greatness. And as the Holy Spirit ignites it in you, he serves as a catalytic force for you to be something great, to be fantastic. Listen, the world is a dream killer. It's going to kill your dream. If you just drift and go the way of everybody else, it's just going to kill it. And you're going to end up like people behind you. Not all of them, but some who regret the way they've gone and wonder why the dreams that they had never became a reality. I believe that every single one of you have a slam dunk in you. Look, if I had time to tell you my story, it's really a pretty sad. Look, I'm from Tennessee. Nothing good comes out of Tennessee. Tennessee. Well, maybe out of middle Tennessee, but I'm from the, I'm from Hickville folks. I'm from the sticks, but at a very young age, I was taught to pursue God. And the more I pursued God, the more I realized there was greatness. And the only explanation that you're ever going to have when you achieve the goals of your life is you're going to know that God has been involved, that you had a calling that you knew it was Sure. And you knew that direction, not mere intention, determines ultimately your destination. Okay, here's the second. Failure is the gateway to success. Failure is the gateway to success. That's this why this passage is so p- profound. He says, not only, I've not obtained it, he says. I, I've not arrived. But here's the one thing I'm able to do, forgetting what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I promise you, Listen to me. I wish I could just get down right here. Listen to me. If you set out on your life to achieve this greatness, I promise you, you will fail. It's not in the failure. It's your next move that matters. Failure is the gateway to success. There are people in this room that had dreams and they went through a rough patch and they gave up. They gave up. Rather than using it as a springboard to greater success, they resigned themselves to the fact that the dream couldn't become a reality, and they forgot who we are as Christ followers. Uh, let me bring in the great philosopher, theologian, Dr. Zeus. <laughs> Yurtle the turtle. Yertle the turtle. I'm king of all I see, but I don't see enough. That's the problem with me. And what does Yurtle the turtle do? He has all of his little turtle friends stack themselves one on top of the other in the pond. And he climbs to the top. I'm Yurtle the turtle. I'm king of all I see. But the turtle on the bottom did a small little thing. He burped. And shook the throne of the king. And now Yurtle the turtle is king of the mud. Because that's all he can see. What a great metaphor. That if you try to climb... It'll only be a matter of time before you fall. But the question is, what do you do next? Do you climb back up again or do you stay in the mud? Most people are so easily deterred that they end up staying in the mud and settling for a mediocre mundane life. I'm begging you, don't do it.
1: is Today with Jeff Bynes. And that's all we have time for today. But please join us next time to hear the rest of A Path to Life. You can hear more messages from Pastor Jeff by heading to vision.org.au and then searching for Jeff Bynes. I will to I will to you. Today with Jeff Bynes. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life.